Welcome to our podcast, Transparently Speaking. I am Diana, and I have a son who transitioned at a young age to become his true self. And I am Joy. I have also supported my daughter to transition at an early age. We are here to share our experience and our learning along this journey. We want to provide support and guidance parent to parent. And if you find yourself on a similar journey, we want you to know that you are not alone. So let's dive in, transparently speaking. So Hugh, welcome back. We're thrilled to have you on this episode. I figured for our third update on the concept of parental transparency and our current journey with Samantha through the school district, we're overdue in giving our our audience an update. Mm -hmm. We were briefly reflecting on the last two episodes. We were going to check records and we had a scheduled meeting with the assistant superintendent. I think you already had talked about just some of the research we did before all this, right? So I had reached out to some relatives who have spent time, you know, being principals within our area and better understand what schools and school districts have, right, for data and what they manage. And also kind of what it was our rights to understand what we have control over, what information they should and shouldn't have. And so that was helpful to actually have that ahead of time at least when we went in to go take a look at the school records. So do tell us, uh, who was your helper in this space? Who did you reach out to or what connections were you able to leverage? This is a cousin of mine who just happens to have spent the last probably 15, 20 years as a principal and so happened and spent several years in the same district that we were at. She had very good insight not only on like what is appropriate, what schools should do and all of that, but she also had insight to the actual school district and some of the policies that they were implementing. You know, this is just not our school district. This is happening across the country and it's happening in hers and news calls it cultural wars. There are, you know, there's this, I'm going to call it transphobia and everybody's hung up on this and it's happening throughout multiple schools in our state and the district. So she was helpful because she's run into this problem several times and how far some of the extreme policies and some of the the parenting and the request and how those are implementing her school district and how she's had to manage through some of those changes herself. So it was nice to hear what I would consider somebody who knew knew our situation, right? And more unbiased about talking through it. Yeah. And I remember coming out of those conversations, you're pretty clear on, oh, okay, this is now what I want to go ask for, what I need to go seek. So I think it'd be helpful for our listeners, you know, what are the key insights you took away in terms of things we might want to request? Yeah. So there was, I mean, she really directed us to three, I'm going to call them folders that are documented for students in schools. One is like the academic, and that's more of an well, you could think about where they keep the grades or any type of forms you filled out to get into schools. Any type of disciplinary action would fall into that spot. But it's the catch-all folder that probably most people are accustomed to. There's a second called the health folder, which is generally more about health need. And those actually expunged every year. So every new that year, they start anew because of all the, the idea that you can't have that information passed on. It's, it's confidential. And then there's a third file that can be held by the school psychologist. She kind of directed to how to kind of manage and ask for all those folders. So we went in fairly well prepared, knowing exactly what folder sets to look for ahead of time. And then what really to how to look at all those different forms in it. Yeah. Okay. How did you make the request initially? You reached out to our principal. 
you said, yeah. hey, so I'm there's only know. certain people that have access. So the the principal has complete access and the secretaries at the school will get you the folders. And as an parent, you can go look at any one of these to see what's going on. We went and looked at all, all our kids. It was insightful just to see what is stored. And then the second one is we went in there with a very specific need to take a look at our daughters. And you and I probably arrived at that a little different than what we were going to do. So yeah, we talked to the school principal. He um, wasn't going to be able to make it. So he just had the secretary. And I just remember we looked through the files probably for 15, 20 minutes. You went through um, her twins. I went through hers. Yeah. If I, I'm just going to jump in here. Actually, I think it was super helpful. It almost felt like a science experiment where we had like a control subject, like her twin. Yeah. And we were like, okay, well, what's going to be different about these records? And so it was pretty fascinating. Key things we learned were there were different types of information and different files in each folder. Like it wasn't consistent. Honestly, that was just sort of interesting. Ultimately, there was more information that we were potentially concerned about in her brother's or twins folder that referenced Samantha as a sibling. Yes. So you you may or may not recall, or maybe in your school district, that they ask about siblings that will also be attending school with your child. And so that's actually where we found information that referenced Samantha's birth name um, and even gender. So that was really interesting. Yeah. yeah. And my intention was guidance again from one of our other helpers saying, hey, go in, ask for a copy of any files that you'd like to have removed. And then you can go ask the assistant superintendent to remove those files for you. And your perspective was? I took them. <laughs> You know, I don't have the patience for some of this stuff like you do to follow all these. I'm, I can be pretty quick to act. I knew what I was worried about. I knew what those files contained. And I was nervous based on where the school district was going. You don't know who is going to be helpful. You may think you might be able to get them removed. I wasn't willing to take the risk. So Unbeknownst to the school district, I have two or three of the files that reference our daughter uh, before her transition, and they are now removed that easy. <laughs> and we've talked about this, and it's probably a little bit of a perception, right? And this goes back to any principal, any school, any teacher is always there to help out the kids. And that's their role. And they do a phenomenal job. But when you get into these culture wars and they become like a battle line, you know, both principals and teachers really have to, they walk a fine line, right? Because they want to do what's right for the child and what's best interest for the kids. But you've got a kind of a, a political battle war going on the other side that can lead to, when we've seen it, right? We talked to others where they're, when they remove the signage and some teachers, you know, kind of push the limit on it, they were eliminated, right? Yeah. Yeah. Really quick for our listeners, what's being referenced is there was communication sent out to all teachers that having any posting of political related and or representing like the rainbows or anything else showing support for LGBTQ students was inappropriate and to be removed. And there was at least one teacher, we know one story specifically, that chose to continue showing support for students by having some version of signage in their classroom. And that teacher was like a so when we talk about this, that's in the back of my mind. I, you know, to ask another person to, hey, can we get rid of this and all that? They are putting their job on the line. In this situation, when it's this politically motivated and people are hyper-focused and hypersensitive, I didn't want to put anybody in that position. So I made the decision. 
I wasn't going to put people in the position. I had to protect our own daughter. Therefore, I just removed the files on our own. Yeah. That problem, if it were to be a problem in the future, uh, was removed. Okay. So then the next step was this, this meeting, as we're already alluding to with the assistant superintendent. We showed up and established an expectation that we wanted our discussion to be entirely confidential yep. and requested his support and requested no documentation coming out of it. Yep. He graciously said, great. He's like, perfect. And at the same time, I thought he was very candid. He's like, I would expect the same from you. Yes. I might share stuff that I prefer that wouldn't be repeated. So he asked for some confidentiality from us so he could speak freely. Yes. And I provided context because it had been eight years when we first met with him about yeah. Samantha. And so I shared that. I actually shared a, uh, our most recent family picture to provide context around, hey, yeah. here's who we are as a family. She's awesome. We were really grateful for the support you provided at the time. And she continues to be amazing. She continues yeah. to identify as a girl and continues to prefer to be undisclosed. And so that's a key part of why we're seeking yep. confidentiality. And we had a couple things we were looking to understand who has access to some of these files and information. Uh, we talked about what the process is for resolution to policy. And finally, we were curious, you know, for some personal insight. Basically, if you had a kid like ours, how would you handle this? And so he, you know, here's the few things that I do recall, right? We asked him to look in the electronics record and he graciously went through to say, hey, let me take a look at anything that a teacher a principal, a superintendent, a school board member, just to double check to make sure everything was in line with what we had within the files. He also provided some insight that if you really want to go to the next level of information, he provided a name for us to kind of get to the level of detail that's probably hidden behind the system, which is the lady would have been an IT support for the, the school's electronic system. The question was also about our daughter's gender support plan. Where might that exist? And the school counselor had left the district. So his guess was she might have even shredded it already. But to just ask the question and ensure perhaps folders were peeked at to ensure there was nothing that remained. I'll take a stab at articulating some confusion that still remains for me about this process of resolution policy. His initial reaction was, you know, the board doesn't understand <laughs> that very little will change as a result of this resolution. His take was that a lot of this is already in policy. And the key aspect of the policy that exists is about supporting kids who might be impacted by this by having a gender plan. Basically, the school's on the hook to create and support students with a gender plan. And the vast majority of that gender plan kind of covers these, these concepts, right? About how a student would engage with bathrooms, sports, all yeah. of that stuff. So that would just be covered as part of the gender plan. Yes. That is already in place and maybe revised. But other than that, the resolution wasn't, it didn't, it wasn't going to change anything. Right? Well, I think and the only piece that felt like maybe it was slightly different or they were pushing a bit was the very first part of it about students who were requesting or asking teachers to use a certain name or gender pronoun different than what's in records, the school is being particular about that process. So that feels different than I think. That's different. Yeah. And that falls under what this, like, you know, it's across the country. They, they call it parental transparency. And they're leveraging that, whether that look into curriculums, whether that look into, you know, books, whether that is what is happening with my child in school. When a student asks to be called a different name, 
at this point, parents don't have to be told. You would expect the child is having that conversation with their parent, but the argument is that the parents are not having that conversation with their children and that this is happening in school and there's like a level of inundation, right? Or somehow it's being taught. So that's that's the policy that really changed. Yeah, well, and it's not really a policy. I think that was the, our whole confusion about this is some resolution. The lawyer who spoke up during that board meeting articulated, well, this isn't policy, it's just resolution. To be honest, we didn't get a lot of clarity about any intent to change policy. However, we have since seen there's been a communication that came out from the superintendent reminding parents of the resolution that was passed so that moving forward, if there is any desire to change the student's name in records, et cetera, et cetera, that they had to walk through this process to do so. But the parents had to make that request. This whole process has been sometimes laughable. So when we had talked to the assistant superintendent, you know, he gave some insight about everything going on. To your point, the board doesn't really understand what it's doing and they don't understand policy versus resolution. What was helpful for me is that he kind of just put it a little bit in perspective, right? That board doesn't understand a lot of things that are occurring, nor do they understand the concept of resolution versus policy, nor do we. And so that's causing a lot of confusion, both for people who think things are happening and for parents who are on the other side trying to figure out, is something happening? There's just a lot of confusion. But the one point that kind of we really drilled down to, which has been kind of our discussion, is sports. And he was able to go through the actual district's policy on sports. You know, you and I have talked about like what policy or who's more in charge for sports decisions. Is it the the athletics association of the state that we in, or is it more to the school district? Right. And this goes back to our listeners as we're thinking about our options. Initially, when this came down, it was one option was to continue to be undisclosed. Yep. And and re- like basically retain this information about our daughter's gender identity for ourselves and not communicate that more broadly. And what I think he helped make clear was that our state's athletic association leans into the local schools yeah. as as taking the first step. So the requirement was really going to be that the athletic director had to be on board with Correct. the student playing. Correct. Of the, the gender identified versus right. the sex identified at birth. And if there were some issue or concern about that, it would escalate to the principal. And if there were a concern or issue there, it would escalate to the school board. But really what we, you know, which comes to the conclusion is the school district has the decision on what students play sports. Ours happens to be about our daughter and this whole transgender and that whole encompassing argument that you see in the news. But there are other times, right? I remember when I played sports, right? There was the drinking policy. If you're caught drinking, the school can take you out of the sport. It's a, it's left to the local level and the school on who plays sports, which puts us in the position that when we have a school board who's setting policies in the direction that limits, I'm going to call it the the rights of some of these transgender students in schools, it's not that far. They could easily make a decision that all sports aligns to, to sex identified at birth, right? Yeah. yeah. That is a big thing for our daughter. It's one of the pride things that she's had and she enjoys at the school. So he was helpful. He was very clear on that. Yes, I agree. And I feel like he was also helpful because we, I think we pushed and we said, well, what if, right? What if we just chose to not tell anybody? And he was basically like, 
that would be really hard. He's like, you have to understand from an administrative perspective, the accountability and what we're held to. And he brought up examples of once kids go to high school, sure, there are locker rooms, but you may not also be thinking about the fact that there are overnight events and how that could put any administrator or teacher in a tough spot if something, some incident were to occur in a situation like that. And so he was very insightful to kind of point out the, the road ahead. And so ultimately that led into the, our final kind of closing conversation about, hey, you know, if you'd be open to sharing, if you imagined being in our position, what would that? What would you do? Yeah. You, that was, that was opening because he was very honest and sincere. And he's like, if I, if I were your family, I'd move. Yeah. There wasn't even a hesitation. No. So he was, he was, he was brutally honest for somebody who spent their career their entire career in this spot and at this school at different levels, he had all, you know, he also made the same decision. He's moving on. Yeah. He's accepted a superintendent position in a different district. Ultimately, I think we left that meeting with sort of a renewed sense of decision around, Oh my God, I think we have to move. Yeah. This has, I think been one of the larger discussions we've had, which is above and beyond the, the policies and the resolutions and the school board. And that is what kind of message do we send our daughter? She goes to a school in which all the signage for the LGBTQ, which you brought up earlier, is gone. When she hears what the school board is doing, you know, what what kind of message does that send to somebody who's trying to be who they are? And that, that I think has also been, you know, the discussion on where we go because Different states have different policies, and we want to be su- not supportive, but you know, have our daughter thrive. And to find school districts that support that is going to be a major goal in this next step. So we're not sitting there trying to navigate stealing forms from the school district yeah. to we walk in there and their understanding of our position, our daughter, and there's a there's an ability for her to thrive versus hide. Yeah. The other piece of this is we've talked about maybe one factor that is impacting her desire to be undisclosed is because she hasn't been in a community in a space where she knows it is safe to truly be herself. And that's something we've questioned. We've wondered whether or not the way we've positioned things or created fear around this has encouraged her to have her desired level of privacy around this. And so I think we've very much decided we want to be somewhere to give her a chance to feel safe in identifying with who she is and choosing herself if and when she wants to disclose that, but in a space that feels supportive to do so. Oh yeah. Where there's other students and other families who feel supportive. That lends parents and kids to feel safe and not hidden, not in the background. And I I would hope when we find that, which there are other opportunities in the area, that, you know, there is a strong LGBTQ community in the school where people actually aren't in fear of being part of it. And they're actually having kids be supportive and be a part of that. And I think it's, I think there's also just like a fine line because her school does have an LGBTQ, like, you know, support group and like they do all the things on paper and it's, it's, 
And yet, right, the teachers had to pull down signage and then there's a parental transparency thing that's passed. And it seems confusing and it's unclear, right, what level of support's really there. So I think what I hear you saying is we want to go somewhere where it's overly evident that they're open to seeing individuals for who they are. Yes. Seeing and supporting them to live into who they are. That's a wrap on this episode of Transparently Speaking. Thanks for joining us today. Join us again on the 1st and 15th of every month for our next podcast. Thank you to Filter for our awesome music. That's P-H-I-L-T-Y-R. Check them out at Apple Music, YouTube Music, Spotify, or anywhere you download music. As a reminder, we welcome your feedback and questions. Email us anytime at transparentlyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. If you're taking something away from our podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take a moment to provide us a review. The more listeners and reviews, the more people we can reach and support. Thanks in advance. Cheers from Joy and Diana.